DJ and PK want to remind you Valentine's Day not far away. A week from Sunday, flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with the Jazz, can make it easy. All you have to do is visit them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on a Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. Question of the morning. Several predictions of the youths winning the Pac-12 next season. Can it be the boys in red will be in the Rose Bowl? Literally, PK, to take this literally, can it be? Yes, it can be. Will it be? Is it likely to be? And the crystal ball gets a little fuzzy then, reading the future then. We're coming off what you call a not a real season for uh, teams. For most teams, it was five or six games in the Pac-12. Yeah, particularly in the West, obviously. Right. In the West? Oh, in the western part of the U.S., yeah. The, uh, the season was so short. Um, a little different for the ACC and the SEC. They got to see, you know, 10 or 11 right. games. Right. But for the Pac-12 teams, but just sticking with a Pac-12 race, it's five or six games, and so you see those games. There were some games that were kind of big, but we knew from the get-go they weren't really playing for a playoff bid. So that takes some of the pressure out. You're not playing in front of a full roaring stadium when you're eight, ten games deep in the season and the stakes are high. So all these schools have two recruiting classes plus transfer classes. I don't know how, even how I'm supposed to refer to that, but the transfer market is growing. So it seems like there's so many moving pieces that if you say, hey, I really think Utah's going to do it, if I think if someone else is saying, I think USC is going to do it, and someone else says uh, Oregon or Washington is going to do it, how do you really tell them no? There's so, if you, if you phrase it, can it be? I mean, isn't you love horse racing analogies? Isn't this the, the top of the Kentucky Derby and they're coming around the, they're coming around the turn four wide? Well, okay, then I'm going to take the guy, the horse on the rail because he has a shorter distance. There it is. He's run less, right? <laughs> The wider you go, the more energy you have to use. Uh, So, yeah, that's – I don't have any problem with what you're saying, which is why I put them in the mix. They're not the dominant, but they're in the mix. Now let's see what they can do. You know, it looks like uh, going forward here in the last couple years and looking ahead to this next season, the biggest game – at, at least on paper now, seems like it's SC, right? Yeah. Well, you look at SC last year. They really or the Utes weren't really in the game, but SC had played a couple of games and the Utes hadn't. Mm-hmm. It's just like that's never going to happen. So it wasn't an apples and apples comparison. Yeah. So I look at last year and I just totally throw it out. It's meaningless as I judge these teams because there never is going to be a situation, hopefully ever again, where that you're playing your first game of the season and they've already played two other games and that's just unheard of plus they have conference games too obviously sc had conference games and you had nothing because of the circumstances right so you throw that out there and you look at it beyond that you know they've had games that have just come right down to the wire so i have no reason to suspect that this next season will be anything different Uh, but at the same time you know, you're not sure because you don't know on any given game. And the Utes now are coming in in positions where they haven't had a strong, they haven't been strong at quarterback. We know that. But they've been strong at running back. Well, they've never had a situation where they've lost their top three guys. The uh, obvious, and I keep, I hate to have to talk about this 
relative to the death of the young man. But that's the situation when it comes to football. And then they have the two other guys who transferred out, right? So what do we have there? Now you've got guys from big schools, LSU and Oklahoma, man, they just jump out at you. But what does that mean? Does that mean that they're good? Because it's not like they're coming from like before where we, oh, wow, they played in the, uh, they didn't call them Power Five then, but they're coming to us. Well, there's really not a whole lot of difference. I don't care who Oklahoma has. I don't care who LSU has. There's not a lot of difference there between those running backs and the ones that Utah has, right? Because Utah's put guys in the NFL left and right. So what's the difference? So it's not like, wow, I'm expecting them to come in and just dominate because they're playing a lesser level of competition. They're not necessarily. So what's it going to be? I don't know. It's a question mark. I have to rely on history. I can't necessarily rely on proven commodities. You see what I'm saying there? I do, and I think that whereas the quarterback transfers give me a little bit of hope. Um, Okay, Brewer came in, he threw for all these yards, he won all these games. But I look at the running back transfers and think the Utes have had a bunch of running backs. I guess it's hope because it could be an upgrade over what they've had. But the Utes have had guys who've not only been, you know, gone to the NFL. At quarterback, you're speaking. At quarterback, it looks like it could be an upgrade. I'm not sure you're, um, and you may be right, because I can't tell you you're not. I'm not sure Brewer's the guy. I get he'll be the guy in the spring, but as you point out, well, he really ought to be. Boy, if he can't, I mean, he's got all this experience. He ought to be the guy in the spring. But Kyle didn't say he'd be the guy. He left open the chance to have competition with Rising. Now, maybe ultimately it'll just prove that, you know, Brewer's head and shoulders above Rising and should be the guy. Will it be a really close competition, or will Rising end up showing that he should be the guy? I I can't guarantee anybody anything on that. You know, we didn't we didn't get to go to practices, we didn't get to go to scrimmages. Rising played a quarter and then got hurt. So to me, there's all kinds of question marks. You know, one of the things they were saying about Bentley is that it was a different style. It was being he wasn't put in the in the scheme that he was at at South Carolina, and the adjustment proved to be a big problem. And we all saw, you know, the play wasn't what we expected. But at running back, they've been really good at running back. They not only send guys to the NFL, they send guys to the NFL who get a lot of carries. You know, they're not on the team but buried on the depth chart playing on special teams. They're getting snaps. They're running the ball. They're getting the ball thrown to them. And when you're a running back transferring, you might be that good. You might be buried on a really good depth chart. So they might be getting something of that quality. But mostly, the guys their age, if they're really good, aren't they going to the NFL? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you transfer to another school because you can't get on field where you were, now maybe you're stuck. I mean, some of these teams, you know, everybody recruits a lot of running backs and moves them to other positions, and and maybe you were unfortunate and got stuck in a really a program that just landed a bunch of guys, and you know, you're you're all good enough, but there's only one football that gets to be carried. Everybody else has to block, and you want you want to carry the ball. Maybe that's the case, but it doesn't seem like getting running back transfers should encourage Ute fans the way getting a quarterback transfer could. Except I think this is a set, an unusual set of circumstances that hopefully obviously never happens again. You get a freshman who obviously just takes the reins. And so the other kids look at, okay, this kid's a freshman. He's absolutely awesome, right? Right. He's a freshman All-American, whatever they have. He should have been all-conference. I don't even remember what the awards were. But obviously Ty was just brilliant. So 
then the other two guys think, oh, I ain't, because of those <laughs> things you just stated, right. one guy gets to carry and the other guys do the other stand around. Well, they look at it and say, well, yeah, I'm pretty good. I was highly recruited myself. Yeah. I'm not going to get this opportunity. So they leave. And then we know the tragedy with Ty. That creates a situation where Utah suddenly is in the market. Normally, they're not in the market for running backs Mm -hmm. because they bring them along. Or if they need one in a short-term situation, they went and got a couple of junior college transfers, John White and Booker, and both of those guys were really, really good. Normally, uh, that's the way they've been plugging it. And that's a new world now to where you go with the the other form of a transfer. But if all things were being equal and Ty Jordan was coming back, I'm wondering if one or both of these kids decides to come to Utah. So I think you have to look at this season with the running back transfers a little bit differently than you normally would in uh, usual circumstances. These are extreme circumstances because you wonder, say like if uh, Ty Jordan would have been, say he would have been a junior and and then he would have gone to the NFL. Well, would those other two kids have left the program? Probably not. But because they didn't know what was going to happen in the tragedy, they figure they got to get out because they're running out of time. Oh, yeah. So I think it's an unusual circumstances and events that led to this. But I have to go back that, you know, they took these guys. Now, well, we just need bodies. Now we're going to take anybody. No, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think that, yeah, they needed bodies, but I think they were also dealing from a position of strength because everybody who does anything with college football knows if you're a really good running back at Utah, you're going to go to the NFL. So I think that it's not like they were beggars, is what I'm trying to say, that they could be choosers to an extent, and they chose these two kids. And they come from big programs with big pedigrees, so you know I have reason to believe that they'll be able to move the ball offensively. If they can't, well, they're in a whole lot of trouble. But right. when has that ever happened? That, does just, that rarely happens. We're, we're not asking them to come in and be pretty good. I assume that it's some kind of uh, base level, floor level, that like that's going to happen. Because you coaches are good at evaluating running backs, and Kyle would rather hold on to the scholarship than give it to somebody who can't play. So, but we're talking about winning the conference. So at this point, you need players who are going to go beyond being pretty good. The Utes have had a, a lot of pretty good players over the last six or seven years. So they have routinely, with one exception, when they you know Huntley's sophomore year, but with that one exception, you know they have been in the conference race five years out of six. Uh, and then last year was really weird. So, but I still think going forward, it's not unusual in the Pac-12 to see a freshman or sophomore come in and have a big impact. And it, sometimes they totally surprise you. Sometimes you have a little bit of a clue. But I think we're going to be much more in the totally surprised category this year because we just didn't see that much football. So there weren't that many clues to be had. Are you speaking generally? Or I'm talking about, about, the, I'm about the whole conference. Okay, you know, that's what I thought. What yeah. can you really evaluate about USC, Oregon, or Washington? Now, we watch the Pac-12 South the way we watch the NBA's Western Conference. We watch it closer than we watch the Pac-12 North. But when you're bringing in these four- and five-star guys, and some of them will flame out and be totally overrated, I know. But there will be guys who come in and make an impact, and we just don't know who they are right now. You know, we, we, we don't know. And so <clears throat> when you're th- saying this guy who we don't really know, how is he going to perform in a full stadium in game 9 or 11 or 12 or 13, whatever, you know, when there's been a whole season of development and now there's pressure 
and there's a full stadium screaming at him, which nobody had to, you know, these high school kids may have played. I mean, you're down in the L.A. area. What's a big high school crowd? 5,000 people? Maybe 10? Yeah. Right? So yeah. you've played in 10. And even if you're a big program, you played in front of 15,000. That's not the same as walking into Autzen Stadium or walking into Rice-Eccles or walking into the Coliseum when USC's good and all those people are screaming. And how are they going to perform? Man, the coaches don't know half the time, and they're around them all the time. So how are we supposed to sit here now? So when I hear the question, can the Utes do it? Sure, but I would say the same thing about four or five other teams in the league. You know, I mean, really crazy stuff. Is Stanford going to get it back? Is, is uh, you know, Herm's getting into his third year, so he's going to have his own guys. Is he about to take a big step forward? Fourth mm-hmm. year, but yeah. Fourth year, okay. Most guys, yeah, I'm not counting the third, but yes, fourth. Most, um, the thing is, he's getting his recruiting classes in, and most of these ASU coaches although they're routinely a little over 500, they do have a big year. Well, when does the big year happen if he has a big year? When's the last time you had a coach? When's the, yeah, right? When's the last time you had a coach <laughs> at ASU who didn't have a big year? How many of the, have, in the 10 years the Utes have been in the league or even going back 20? Oh, a singular year? Yeah. Where, I think you have, to go, you have to go back to the guy who replaced John Cooper. Okay, so you The infamous, I'm sure you'll remember, Larry Marmy. Ah, yes, I do, actually. <laughs> Just because it's a goofy name. No, Snyder, Cutter, Erickson, Graham all had seasons yeah. in which they won, won big. They just promised they couldn't sustain it. Herm actually hasn't had it yet, and so the pressure's on. You know, you're, yeah. you're a great dude and all that stuff, but you got to win. And uh, Todd Graham so, had two ten win seasons. Why can't you? Dennis Erickson had a ten win season. Why can't you? Yeah, and obviously Snyder got within five seconds of being undefeated yeah. and winning the national championship for the second time because in 1975 they were the Sporting News national champion. And you can't take that away from me as much as you try. I think that's our cue to go to break, Yak. Am I right? Not that I was not that I was a big fan of here's the Devils the, at the time, but the that's question. besides the point. <laughs> Is there a banner hanging or a placard or something yeah do you want me to take a picture i'll go downstairs and i'll i'll (laughs) show you the picture i have (laughs) you know what i mean in the stadium you can hang a banner but nice nice job well done i don't i disagree with that yak but i don't want to light you up because you produced like 36 of the last 41 hours of radio on this station so (laughs) all right let's go to break I watch, you remember you you ever see the 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 like old videos or the, the there used to be this craze where they do these marathon dances and you'd win money or something and basically it's like how long could you stay on your feet and people would fall asleep the hand on the car thing. you're not there yak but I feel like oh, you could be tomorrow we're rolling up on it yeah. yeah all right when we come back Craig Bowlerjack TV voice of the Utah Jazz Jazz in Atlanta tonight. We will talk with him about the Jazz, and then Chad Lewis is here to talk about Andy Reid, the Chiefs, and the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Chad Lewis, of course, playing for the Eagles, All-Pro uh, after he left BYU and played for Andy Reid and knows him well. We'll talk with Chad coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No, no, and I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey, you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, yeah. John, while we have you. No, no. <laughs> we've had a, uh-huh. a, a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> 
we were out working and, you know, cleaning our hens or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton, and he uh, threw that pitchfork, and uh, oh! exactly <laughs> threw enough. He right on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, and I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now in any regularly priced blankets with the code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Leighton, Draper, Orm, Sugar House, or St. George. That's Minky Couture and Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. Jazz and the Atlanta Hawks coming up tonight. Atlanta played Dallas last night, got beat. Jazz played Atlanta at home uh, a while ago and won it comfortably. And uh, as you recall, PK Trey Young came off a one for eleven performance in that game. And just as I would not expect John Collins to back up his thirty, what was it, thirty-five and twelve? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, thirty-five point twelve rebound performance last night. I also wouldn't expect Trey Young to go one for eleven again. No, he's too good a player to put up another one for eleven. But I feel like Quinn, and he says this over and over. Now we hear Joe saying it over and over. I feel like they've prepped and kind of um, been priming guys for this with the constant, "Hey, every NBA team has good players," you know. And, and you ran down the roster earlier. The Hawks. Well, we know Gallinari. We know Gallinari can play. We know we know Trey Young. Is a is a young star? How how high he can rise? You know that's a question. But he's already you know thrilling people. Collins looks decent. Gallinari looks decent. They got Clint Capella. Jazz fans remember him from the playoff series with the Rockets. So they got got some sweet players. Lou Hudson. Don't forget him. That's sweet Lou Hudson. Time to bring in Craig Bullerjack. His weekly interview is presented by University of Utah Health, trusted healthcare provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. Hello, you two. How are you? Good. Good. So we were talking about, uh, I, I said something, and PK quickly jumped me because he thought I was uh, too, um, too optimistic, too willing to take for granted a Jazz win tonight, too confident, some combination of all those things. But I think the reason is because I think this team is better and is different than last year's team or the team two years ago. And so while they certainly could lose tonight, I think they're much less vulnerable to it. Now, I may have to come in and explain this comment tomorrow morning. I get that. But I think the reason that they're battling uh, you know, with, with the Lakers and Clippers to the top three spots in the West and not with the Spurs and the Nuggets and the Suns for four, five, six, seven which is what they were battling for in that group the last couple of years, is because they are better and, and more likely to win a game like this one. Reaction. Well, well, first, I mean, you two argue. I mean, that's that never happens. away. Never happens. Yeah, never. <laughs> I mean, you guys are peacemakers. Come on. Um, you know, I, I think the thing about this team that intrigues me the most is that they've taken on what the Western Conference has become, and that three-point shooters, and they're really good at it. So, What I'm feeling is that there's never really a time that the Jazz panic because they have the ability, uh, in their minds, by the way, their confidence uh, in their three-point shooting that they may fall behind, but they don't panic and they have the ability to always mount a comeback. I heard what you said before we jumped on the air about 
you know, every team in this league has the ability to win on any given night. I don't care what their record is. And look what Detroit did a few nights ago, you know, battling back from 28 down at home, you know, in Salt Lake City and really pushing the Jazz, you know, to the end until, you know, Boogie knocked down a couple of threes to, 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 to secure the win. But uh, I still think the Jazz have this really interesting perspective of, uh, and it goes with Coach Quinn Snyder. I mean, there's always that cliche of, you know, a team reflects the personality of a coach. In some ways, it's true, but um, I don't think there's a lot of panic. I think they feel more confident uh, with who they are, what their capabilities are, and the depth of their talent. That's that's what I'm starting to learn, you know, now 21 games in, going on the three-game road trip. And these all three of these games are winnable, but – also heard what you said about you know, Atlanta. There's some talent on this team. I don't think Trey Young's going one for eleven and having a career four point, you know, career low four point game again, um, unless the defense is stifling, uh, which it, it was in Salt Lake. But yeah, the, the Atlanta Hawks have some talent. Uh, there's no doubt. I like Capella. Always have, and you know they got a guy named Rajon Rondo who on some nights is engaged and some nights he's not, but still he's been around and he's a veteran and he knows, you know, how to play this game. But I don't know. This, this will be a really good telling road trip back East again, Atlanta, Charlotte, Indiana, those three teams are, you know, kind of hovering about under 500 or about 500 or under. So there's opportunity here again for the jazz to, uh, to win three, three more road games, but they have to play and be consistent. No doubt. So you got to like where this is going, and right now they're right in the thick of things with the two L.A. teams. Denver is still in the race, coming up on the outside to an extent. My thought for you is projecting, is this team good enough to have the best record in the West? Oh, PK. Um, you know, again, 20, <laughs> 21 games is, is a really good sample size. We always talked about the 20, the 20 games, we've hit it, and I, I think you have to believe – that they can fight with the best. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think this is uh, just an anomaly that's happened. I mean, 11 straight wins to, to is tough anywhere you go. I don't care if it's junior jazz or, or the NBA. I mean, it's, you know, to win 11 in a row is quite an achievement. Yeah, you got knocked off the rails in Denver and then you had to, you know, regroup and, you know, and get the win in, you know, against Detroit. And that was almost like probably another even though you're home, probably felt like a road game because you're heading out again. But it's going to be this way all year. But to answer your questions, I don't see why not. Um, look, LeBron stands on his own merit, right? And Kawhi is a champion uh, with Toronto. Um, I, I still think this team, the Jazz, have a totally different mix of how they approach this. And you have the Donovans and you have the Rudys, but you also just have this incredible concept of just getting it done and they've got multiple players that shoot over 40% from three. And, you know, some nights you're going to be off, but I think most of the time this team's pretty consistent thus far. So, yeah, I think to answer your question, not to get crazy, I mean, we still got a long ways to go, but I think they have every right, every ability to fight for the top uh, of the Western Conference. Um, you know, the one thing that always jumps in my mind is, you know, through this course of this season of 72, can you stay healthy? Uh, can Rudy stay on the floor, be a defensive presence? They do have faves. Obviously, Jordan Clarkson's having an outstanding start and is uh, by far 
um, you know, the, the front runner for six man of the year. This guy's unreal. He's playing as confident as anybody I've seen. And he's been given, you know, the ability to, to show his talents. And uh, it's just an interesting team, to, a fun team, PK, to watch, right? I mean, it really is. There's a lot of weapons and a lot of different ways that they attack defenses. And Quinn has a lot of different uh, players and combinations that he can put on the floor. Craig Bolajak joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We know the strengths of the team. You've already outlined some, right? The, the three-point shooting. <laughs> they got seven different guys who can hit threes at a high rate. And Rudy's anchoring the defense. And they, what, is the, what is the Achilles heel, you think? When teams look at the Jazz, what do you think? This is, this is how we need to go with them if we're going to have a chance to win this. First thing that hits my mind right now is physicality. Be physical with them, and will they answer back? I really, I think that is the Achilles. Um, will they respond to an early punch, uh, especially on the road? And I, I believe that's you know something that they they were able to handle in the eleven game win streak. But in some of these losses, and there's only you know been five. Um, that and, and they've had to fight through this, even in the wins, is will you be physical? Do they bump you off your spot? Do they come out and double on the three-point line? And how are you going to respond? I mean, I've heard Quinn say that, and we've talked about it, he and I, several times um, on the beautiful Zoom calls. But um, I think that is the, the part. How physical will the Jazz be, and how will they respond, PK? I really believe that that would be the challenge for the remainder of this year is teams see them as maybe being, and uh, gosh, the word intimidate is tough, but that you can shake them. Uh, you can get them off their rhythm if you become a f- more physical, and that, I believe, is something the Jazz are going to have to uh, to fight through and figure out. I don't know who would come at the expense of, but does Royce O'Neal deserve a bigger part in the offense? You know, I think what he's doing fits what his role is. Um, um, boy, that's that's no one's ever asked that question, PK. But you know, I think he takes the shots that he needs, and what he's doing right now is you know ripping the three as well as anybody uh, in the NBA. Um, you know, I, I think he's comfortable in the role. I mean, I, I think what his role is actually is to be the defender. He is to be the tough guy. He's supposed to put the chest, uh, go chest to chest with some of the best, um, you know, the shooters or players of the other, other, uh, of the opponent. And I think what happens is you just get almost a bonus for Royce O'Neal is his ability to, to hit the outside three and on occasion, you know, run the floor and finish at the rim. I mean, I like what he's doing. He's having a great year. Uh, his rebounding is out of sight. I mean, he's, he's, you know what it is? He's the most aggressive guy on the floor at times. You know, Rudy and him have to battle for rebounds, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gobert's been claiming, what, 13-plus a night, and, and and Royce is down there battling for everything he can get. I think the Jazz, when they're really on, they also do the second effort uh, where they're digging for, for loose basketballs and they're kind of following Mike Conley's lead when he's been able to jump on the floor. Those are things that, Quinn Snyder, you have to have. Uh, the teams want their hungry. And I kind of get the feeling the Jazz are at that level, you know, this year after getting knocked out, you know, by Denver in that uh, series that we know so well at 3-1, lose it 4-3, and what Donovan said, never again. So that that sounds 
you know, a little cliche-ish, sure, but also I think it's uh, they're playing playing it out. They they want to go to the next level, and that's really um, for me, and I think for any Jazz fan who's been watching this team, there's talent there, but also the attitude of saying we're we are going to win, and that maybe is the next step they've taken. So Donovan Mitchell's averaging 23 points a game, and you bring up that series in the bubble. We saw those 50 point games, and no one's going to do that routinely, and no one's going right. to average 35 points or 36 points a game, whatever it was. But did you expect a little more out of him, or do you think you expected more early in the season, but now he's giving it to you, and the season averages will go where they go? Do you want to still see him take the game by the throat, or or that's not how the Jazz play? That's old school thinking. Let the game, you know, find itself and all that stuff, and the open guy will take the shot to be the best they can be. How does that have to play out? Well, everyone, including Shaq, wants Donovan to become more involved, right, as a rebounder and an assist man. That's what uh, he said. And you know, when you really break it down, Donovan has a role, and you know, he's he's also baits guys to double him to help mm-hmm. open up other players on this team that allows them to hit shots. But you know, you look at his numbers still. You're 21 games in. He's had 14 games of 20 plus and four games of 30 or more. And I think he's actually gotten a, a better this year. He's 24. Look, we we can we can break down his game all you want, but I still think you know this guy is special, and um, he's going to get better. I think as the season progresses, the concussion knocked him, you know, off uh, out of two games, and he looked really cloudy. Uh, you know, the other night against Denver. But, you know, he played pretty well against Detroit. Uh, but I think consistency, DJ, to answer your question, I think that's from first quarter to fourth is where I'm looking. You know, we know him as the fourth, you know, the second half Donovan. He's going to lift, you know, the Jazz to a win, and then he lets teammates get involved to start games. But I don't see any reason why he can't start games and finish games just like, you know, one through four, and be as consistent as he was from the opening tip to the to the end of the game. So I think there's still things he's figuring out. There's a lot of pressure on the guy. There's no doubt. But a lot of fans don't have patience. You know, it's like, hey, look, you're well paid. You're an all star. Go get it done. And I still think he's a special player, special talents uh, that's going to just get better as time continues on. We forget that he's just barely into his fourth year. And I think that's something you still have to to remember. But he's made big strides every year he's been on been on the floor. And I, I like his game. I really do. So is Sunday the one day of the season that you're glad you're not traveling because you can call the game <laughs> and then go home and watch the Super Bowl and you're a Kansas City boy and the Chiefs are trying to go for number two? Yeah, PK, that's the craziest schedule, isn't it? 11 a.m. That's what the NBA gave us. 11 a.m. mountain time tip-off against the Pacers and then Super Bowl uh, 55 is at 4.30. So, yes, it's a double-dip day. Uh, you get to call a jazz game, get to home, go home and see the Tom Brady battle uh, with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's – you know, if, if, you're, if you're writing a script, this is a pretty good one, don't you think, guys? Sure. I mean, you get old versus new, already an MVP in Mahomes, and you already have the, uh, the GOAT, as many believe, in Tom Brady – and he just said the other day, PK, um, I'm going to, after the Super Bowl, I'm going to get ready for the next season. He's going to play past 45. I mean, it's really, his mindset, man, is, is really amazing. I don't know if he would win, if that would change uh, to ride off in the sunset. 
but he seems like he's totally not done and wants to continue on. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I thought Peyton Manning played and, you know, had the perfect send off. Uh, but Tom Brady just uh, wants to keep playing this game that he loves. I don't think it's the money, is it? I don't know. Maybe it's the spotlight he loves. But it's an amazing thing to see him keep going. But he's at a high level, so I guess he says to himself, "Why not?" But this is going to be a fun game. I'm, I'm I'm tuned in, man. You got two great tight ends. You got some weapons, but I still think the Chiefs have the better speed and a better mobile quarterback. But Tom Brady has the experience. But, but you know, I got an MVP and Patrick Mahomes too, right? So yeah, this is going to be fun. Fun, fun game. So <clears throat> Brady's won six Super Bowls, and the reason he doesn't have seven or eight of those two giant games, uh, I guess there was one with the Eagles too, but in the two games with the Giants, the Giants won low-scoring games, and if looking back, you know, what did we all underestimate going into it? We underestimated how good the Giants' front four was, that their front four against the Patriots' five offensive linemen and possibly tight end and running back, they could still get to Brady. Yeah. And... It changed the game, right? Because now you got seven guys back defending um, the pass because four guys can get the pressure. And I'm wondering, the Bucks' defense seems to be making more plays and have taken their, you know, gone to another level here in the postseason. Are they, with a four-man rush, going to be able to beat the Chiefs' O-line? Because the Chiefs just lost their left tackle. They, and they lost their right really? tackle earlier, and they've had other guys moving around and in and out. We don't need to get to all that. But that we all know the left tackle, that is critical. So how worried are you that the front four for the Bucks that with four guys rushing, they can get to Mahomes? Mahomes is more mobile and can run and can beat you with big plays. We've seen that with his legs if he has to. How worried are you? Well, that's the key right there compared to two quarterbacks. Brady is between the tackles, and he has to step up in the pocket. So what you do is you try to blitz him up the middle. Or if he tries to even go outside the edge, you've already caught him. So I think that's really going to be part of the whole equation for the Chiefs' defense is to pressure the the legs of of Tom Brady and and push him out of his comfort zone. It's a must, by the way, because you give him too much time. Any quarterback can help You know, pretty much pick you apart. To your question about Mahomes, I think you just said it. I feel his mobility will be his best asset on Sunday. Uh, the left tackle, Achilles out, that's your protection side, but yet Mahomes is able to to roll and get out of trouble. I tell you, I, we haven't seen a quarterback with great, you know, this type of escapability and also working with us with Tyreek Hill and, and Kelsey. Uh, they seem to understand him and come back to help him on routes. And then he's able to sidearm and slingshot, you know, passes downfield and just escape, especially crucial third downs. And that's where you win ball games. Again, if they if they pressure Brady, he makes a mistake and the Chiefs take advantage. And the same with the with Mahomes. If they get to him and he throws a pick or fumbles a ball, usually games are won and lost in the in the uh, turnover department. So that's what I'm looking for. Mahomes mobility, get outside the tackle, you know, take the pressure off the O line. And the Chiefs' D is the pressure, I'll call him the old man, Tom Brady, who's crafty as can be, but still not not a guy built to play outside the tackles. And if you trap him uh, and then you force him to make mistakes, I think is going to be part of the uh, the equation for uh, for the Chiefs to win another Super Bowl. And it's tough, right, uh, to win back-to-back. Most, I think I read yesterday, you know, statistically it's, it's rare you win back-to-back Super Bowls, even if you get there. Jordan won multiple games, multiple back-to-back NBA titles, but uh, the NFL, it looks like uh, it's, it's hard to win two. 
and even to get there is quite a it's quite an achievement you have to admit and i got to give brady all the credit in the world he comes from new england takes on a new team new coach new system had a rough start by the way and he still got the bucks to the to the big game that's 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 an amazing feat for me all by itself Compliment him before you beat him, Bowler. That's your strategy. I see it. I see it well, working. I just say pressure the guy, make him make a mistake, and let Mahomes run free, man. And, and you got. I think I think Kansas City DJ is a much quicker, faster team, and so you use your speed. That's what they did all year long. Use your speed to win. And if it doesn't work out, then at least you got there, and the uh, and Tom Brady beat you. But it should be. I I don't want to say epic, but I love the matchup and the storyline. Man, is is fantastic. For Super Bowl Fifty Five, it really is. And you love that you won't be on a plane headed for Indiana when the game is played. Thank- yeah, or coming, yeah, coming home. Yeah, I'd have to listen to oh, yeah. people say, "Oh gosh, you missed it," something like that. Yeah. So, thanks, Buller. All right, guys, see you soon. Yeah, headed out of Indiana, not into. Obviously, He'll be playing the Pacers that morning. DJ and PK, we got to take a break. Chad Lewis is coming up to talk Super Bowl. Former Philadelphia Eagle played for Andy Reid. He's going to join us in fifteen minutes, right here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty, the Zone. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Utah Jazz, Dennis Lindsay with us. Dennis, we thought you're going to be in a pretty good mood jumping on the show today. Your team's playing great. Yeah, they've come together and we're pleased with the results thus far. We've got a lot of work to do. We're only at the quarter pole, but uh, we've defended well. Got back to a previous Jazz level and Quinn has designed a really unique offense based upon spacing and shooting and sharing the ball when a guy's really believe in the system that Hughes developed. What we promise is we'll just continue to work hard and be humble and honest with ourselves, and hopefully we can make a good account for the season. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Join the Big Show Friday from 2 to 6 in the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Oh, man, we've been talking football all morning. I'm so fired up. You guys fired up? No, not really. No. Not as fired up as you are. It's Thursday. The game's Sunday night. Pace yourself. Uh, I'm talking college football even. Oh, okay, now I'm fired up. I've never never paced myself at all. (laughs) That's not Full steam, and then you burn out, you burn out. Uh, better to burn out than to fade away anyway. And so since, you know, we were talking about college football earlier. Yes. And hearken me back, you know, with the Utes, and hearken me back to my days at Arizona State. And, you know, I would, the weekend would approach usually by Thursday morning. You know, I had three or four dates set up for the weekend, and then we would get to Sunday night, and I would look back. And it was funny because all the dates that I would go on, I would go on multiple in a given day. And by Sunday night, when I reflect back as to how they went, consistently for all my days at Arizona State, when I would take the ladies out, I would get the same response. And it would be two simple words, and here's what they were. Oh, PK. (laughs) All of that to get to there, huh? <laughs> Damn straight. It's amazing. Every time. What would they say, Yock? Oh, PK. <laughs> Yock is so he is so punch drunk in there. 
it's just you're now said, applauding yourself. He sent a text and he's like, he sent a text and he said, "Hey, pull that," and it's pretty dang good. Oh, PK, <laughs> he is in there literally <laughs> applauding the drop, <laughs> and his head's kind of rolling around, and the eyes aren't pointing in the same direction. <laughs> Because it freaking works. It's radio gold, and you're benefiting from it, so shut the hell up. Oh, PK. <laughs> I mean, and we know what showgirls would say, yeah, combine them, the two. <laughs> PK, take it off, baby. Oh, PK. Com- <laughs> Be quiet. He got it. Even in his sleep-deprived state, he got it. Okay, do it again, and I won't talk. Oh, PK. PK, take it off, baby. It's supposed to be in the other order, dude. <laughs> PK, take it off, baby. Oh, PK. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> what would your sister say? What would your mother say? <laughs> I don't know about my mother. It'd probably be an obscenity. Probably. My sisters, obviously, they're much older than me, so uh, they've been around my whole life, and they would probably say, yep, that was the little sarcastic (laughs) you-know-what. My my one sister uh, got me a little patch. (laughs) It says, smart bleep white boy. (laughs) Uh, and I have that patch when I and, and I display it with pride. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, that, that, what can I say? You know, that's what the ladies. What would the oh, ladies oh, say? Oh, PK. <laughs> Buller probably regrets ever uttering those two words. <laughs> I thought you were going to say coming on the show, but what did that do? <laughs> Did he kind of say it almost like erotically? Listen to it closely. Oh, PK. (laughs) Oh, brother. (laughs) Now, break it down for us, DJ. What what about football? Student body right. Student body right. (laughs) Oh, PK. Chad Lewis is coming up next. Former BYU and Philadelphia Eagle tight end. Played for Andy Reid. And now Andy Reid on the verge of winning back-to-back Super Bowls. We'll talk with Chad next. Stay with us.